Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Day two of the U.S. Open in the books, and if you've been following along here on our GSP Aces of the Day, your pocketbook's a little bit heavier after day two. It was a good day, and we're not trying to jinx it. I'm simply recapping how day two went, letting you know and letting to see if you know any trends have emerged early on here in play. We had a little bit more success on day two. As I mentioned, Para, Hachinov, Mukova, all individual bets, all winners. We hit the parlay of Cornet, Mertens, and Sabalenka to put another two units in our pocket. Now, we did miss out on a 10-match parlay, but worth noting, in that 10-match parlay, we went 9-1 on match picks, so feeling pretty good heading into day three. And part of this game, as we all know, when you've got momentum, when the table's hot, you keep rocking and rolling. And there is no peep person, listeners, that you would rather have by your side when the table is hot. No one to help you stoke the flames, keep you rocking and rolling than the man joining us on the podcast today. You, of course, know him as my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who once again, I think almost turned on me during that Murray Tiafo parlay, but nevertheless, we persisted. Maxwell LeBauer-Roth and Maxie, hey, great shot. Another day in the books. How you feeling? I mean, I was going to say, I was shocked that you left out the Murray Tiafo parlay as a, as a W for the day, because that was a big one. Uh, but that was a personal you know. W. We didn't, we didn't give that out to the listeners because we didn't want to subject them to that sort of pain. I know. Look, it, there's a lot. We're losing a lot of hair over here, and you can't afford that. So <laughs> I, I can. Um, but yeah, no. It's uh, we've been doing pretty well so far, as you said. If the table's hot, keep the die rolling, keep the bets coming. Um, although, I mean, I'm just gonna start us off, you know, right away and say that tomorrow is tough. Or excuse me, I guess today is tough. Um, we've got a lot of tight matches, a lot of tight lines. Uh, some favorites that are just too hard to take. Uh, it's it's. I mean, look, some days are going to be better than others. You're going to find those matches that just look golden, and some days you're going to sit there and be like, man, I don't know. I don't know if I see any value here. Uh, so we're going to take you through some some of our thought process of picks that you can take and um, the, where where you want to be risky. But uh, overall, just forewarning to today is going to be a tough day. Yeah, look, without uh, getting into copyright issues, there's a reason the lyric goes, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And that I think that certainly applies today. We've talked about the parody heading into this U.S. Open so frequently on our preview podcast. That parody is going to show itself more and more as these rounds progress uh, here into this U.S. Open. You know, round two, it's the top 64 players, then the top 32 players. And at that point, you're really picking straws. You're going off of momentum. You're going off of who's had both the tougher slate of matches and who's looked better in their matches. And so things do get tricky here, and we will talk more about whether today is a stay away day, an ace of the day, uh, a, a multiple ace of the day day as we go on in the podcast. But let's just talk about that Murray match for just two seconds. Down two sets to love against Yoshihito Nishioka, who threw four sets. And a break. Did not, and a break, who threw four sets, did not miss a ball, did so well to move Murray to the outer thirds. And, you know, we recap the match, Jamie McDonald and I, on our mini break podcast, so I'm sure we'll go into depth there. But to have action on that match, Maxi, to see Murray come through the way he did, ugh. 
Oh, you can see the I mean, smile look, on my face right now. I know. I mean, you you said to me, you know, midway through that second set, I need positivity from you. And my response was, <laughs> look, I am the kind of person where I got to just assume the worst. If, if I start thinking, you know, oh, he's going to come back, oh, he's going to come back, I'm just going to be even more upset when it doesn't happen. And it, look, I turned off the match right after this, the second set ended, and clearly that worked. So I think I think the recipe is to just stop watching those matches <laughs> once they start going the wrong way. I don't know. I don't know what I, else to say. I love that we had an embargo as well. We were like, no more texting about this. We were like, I, I was like, and you're right. I did say to you at one point, I was like, look, I need more positivity. It's Andy Murray out there. He's going to feel the energy from us. And, you know, obviously it worked. But here's, uh, here's one other thing I'll say is I'm not betting on him anymore. No, that's for two damn things. sure. Never again and never put me in a position, Maxi, ever. Don't allow me to put myself in a position to where we're betting against Yoshihito Nishioka because I love him too much. I'm just like, this yeah, man deserves too. affection. I, you aced him, and yet he's definitely going to be the best player you've ever aced in your career uh, because we learned that Taylor Fritz ace redacted. Uh, and so, you know, just in general for uh, this match, it was it was a barn burner. It was delightful. It had ups. It had downs. Murray played so well. And, you know, again, to your point uh, about us texting, people know of my fondness for Andy Murray in my life. I've never hidden that affection. And so I'm going to call out two in particular by name because you know them. Two, Brad Silverman, my loving cousin. Two, Kaushik Kandapi, the third wheel uh, of our, oh, it's not really a wheel. I guess we're a car because we had four wheels in Kevin Rothstein as well of our men's group on that club tennis national championship winning team. Both sent me texts. Oh, your boy Murray. Look, he's like he's going out in round one. Oh, Abe Huku, you too. You did this as well. That's why I left you for Maxi. Um, yeah, it's just like, it was just, <laughs> you got to love tennis. Here, look, uh, I'll, I'll give that to you. I'm glad he won. I just, I haven't ha- had the, the mic to voice this yet. And I voiced this to my brother probably, I think it was during um, Cincy where I said, Dude, Murray is obnoxious. He's obnoxious on the court. <laughs> and and it's funny because I, I said that because I watched him cheer after Zverev was either double faulting or like a really crappy unforced error where I'm like, I'm sorry, there is a level of tennis etiquette. And yes, you can try and pump yourself up because there is nobody else there to pump you up. But it's f***ing ridiculous to cheer when someone makes an unforced error like that. And it's funny because my brother today texted me during the match. He, he knew that I was, you know, supporting Murray given our bet. And he goes, dude, I can't even watch him anymore. He is such a d-. <laughs> And it just made my day. I was like, thank you. Someone else agrees with me. Um, I'm curious what you think about that though, before we get too sidetracked, because it, it, come on, you have to acknowledge that the, the amount of talking and bitching that, and excuse me for all the, the language, I, I'm just, I'm a little fired up about it, but the amount that he whines and complains and talks to his box and cheers on unforced errors is ridiculous. You know what I have to say to that? The same thing I said to Brad, the same thing I said to Kaushik, the same thing I said to Abe. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm not going to get us two copyright violations in one podcast, but we are the champions, my friend. And I'm not celebrating the bet because I would never gloat like that in the face of the DraftKings gods. Maxi can confirm I'm looking up at the DraftKings gods as I speak to them. Um, but I will say a victory is a victory. And at this point, yeah, but do what you got to do to pump yourself up. Do what you got to okay. do to pump yourself that's, up. This is one of our game's great champions back on court. And it is what it is. He's Andy Murray. He's always been imperfect. That's why I've always enjoyed watching him so much because you see the emotion on his sleeve. I think you will attest. That's I'm not going to say I play. I'm not good enough to say that's how I play, but you know I'm a guy who likes to get uh, vocal on the tennis court as well, and so it's been always something that appeals to me. Nothing is more relatable, Max Rothman. I, I know I've seen you do it than slamming a racket against the ground when you're frustrated. Yeah, but that's not even what he does. So anyways, I'm I'm more condoning. uh, I mean, I'm just, whatever. I I, I don't appreciate his (laughs) tactics without without fans. At least the noise of the fans usually drowns out the the cheers, and now that you can hear it, it's ridiculous. So over over under three and a half texts from you complaining about Murray's body language in his next match, which I believe is against FAA. I probably won't. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I probably won't watch it, but now that it's against FAA, I <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that to- on tomorrow's podcast. Let's yeah. get to today's picks, as you are mentioning, and you know the reason we are able to do these picks, of course, because of the support we get from our friends at DraftKings with all of the action going on, early round play all week long. You know, still first round may be over, but we've got what sixteen? No, thirty-two second round matches these next two days. It's not sixty-four, but trust me, folks, it will get the job done. You go down from six tabs to four tabs at all time and of course you can get action on all of those matches by going to DraftKings.com creating your DraftKings Sportsbook account and you can take advantage of their limited time offer right now Uh, here's how it works you're going to go to DraftKings Sportsbook account make a deposit from there DraftKings will match your first deposit at 20% up to $500 then you're going to make your first bet and DraftKings will also match that with a risk-free first bet up to $500. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open to play. That's dkng.co slash cracked open. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, 1-800-9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado, you must be 21 years or older and in a participating state to take advantage of this offer. Eligibility restrictions apply. Deposit bonus is in DK dollars, which have no cash value and must be used on DraftKings. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for more details. And again, to get in on the action, just go to dkng.co slash cracked open right now. You can play along with us. And again, we are building some momentum. We're not going to jinx it. We're absolutely not. And the way we're not going to, Maxi, is because, as you mentioned, you look at this second round slate of matches. Yeah, of course there are some that jump out to you. You see a guy like, oh, I don't know, Stefano Tsitsipas and Novak Djokovic. You're like, oh, why don't I just take them? Well, unless you're dropping tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, the return on investment is just not going to be that great. 
But there are also a ton of toss-ups, and we were going through this beforehand uh, to stay organized here. And again, just a reminder for you listeners, we'll talk about our favorite matches, underdogs and stayaways, what the favorites' odds look like, some parlays for you all, and then, of course, ultimately offer our aces of the day here. But you look at my count, Max, in terms of matches I have as just pure stayaways, things I don't want a part of, 10 matches on that list. That feels a little high. I mean, yeah, um, I, I would, I probably have about as many that I'm going to stay away from, um, but curious to hear what yours are. Cause I think I might differ from you on potentially a couple just knowing, knowing well, us. here's the thing. So you add in the 14 favorites I have where the odds just aren't really worthwhile unless you parlay them. I have 24 matches, you know, 24 divided by 32. That's 75 or excuse me. Yeah, no, that is 75% of the field. Three fourths, eight, 25 divided by eight, three, four. You got it. Anyways, quick math. Hey, great shot to me. Um, Three-fourths, 75% of the matches I just don't want a part of because the odds are either too crazy or these matches are just toss-ups. And, you know, again, some of the ones we talked about earlier— you know, a Pliskova Garcia. Yeah, Pliskova played a good match, but given the concerns about her beforehand, three and three career record against Garcia, who's on the rise. Do I want a part of that at minus three sixty for Pliskova? Probably not. For Rabakina, minus two forty over Shelby Rogers. Shelby just beat Serena in Lexington. I got to see her up close. She's playing outstanding tennis. I don't want a part of that. Taylor Fritz, minus two sixty five over Jill Simone. We talked about it, Maxi. There are 36 different outcomes for the way that match goes. None of them enjoyable to have action on. There's just okay, a lot of matches so, that feel like that. So let me – so that's fair. And I, and I know we talked last time about how we don't spend enough time looking at the, the spreads and the over-unders. And I think that match you just mentioned, the Fritz-Simone match, uh, is one where you can – you know, this, again, is not an ace of the day, but here's one where you can take the over. So, right? So – we are discussing this match. Fritz, the, the the outcomes here are, I think, far... I mean, they're, they're, there's a lot of opportunities, but I think the most likely outcomes are these. Fritz dominates and gets a 3-3-2 three, three and two win. Have we seen Fritz with that kind of level so far? Eh, not really. Is he capable of it? Sure. So that is a possibility. Two, you get a really kind of scrappy four set win from Simone but with Fritz's serve and forehand he's probably holding a lot and you're looking at you know a really tight four sets the other outcome which I think is most likely is you get a four set win from Fritz with a sloppy set somewhere in there so you get you know some good tennis he's gonna hold his serve he's gonna find a break you know in most of these sets and if not he'll he'll get to a tie break I think he's going to have something like a 6-4, 3-6, 7-5, 6-4 type set, uh, type match, and and that's your over on the 39.5. So that's one where if you want to take the chance there, and I think I might tomorrow, that could be an opportunity. Yeah, it's just, again, so many different outcomes. Again, I'd probably say 10% chance Fritz blowout. 1% 1% chance Simone blowout. The most likely range is somewhere between Fritz winning in four and Simone winning in four. And in that case, you're going to get a lot of games. But just, you know, over under 40 and a half. I just, I never have confidence in over unders because how many times have I seen players tank sets, particularly given yeah. their lack of physical fitness? If they're down 3 0 in a set and they know, okay, I'm up two sets to one, I can throw this third, or two sets to love, I can throw this third set away. Just, I've seen so many tank sets this week that over-unders scare the crap out of me. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think one way to be confident in this one over others is I don't think, I don't see Simone as a tanker, and I don't really see Fritz as a tanker. He's the kind of guy who I think at this point in his career is like really trying to fight for these matches. He, he has a good opportunity here with Simone. I think he probably doesn't feel like, even if he's down two sets of love, that he's completely out of any match, uh, out of the match with him. And so I feel a little bit more confident in that. But I do hear you uh, yeah. on the general sentiment. No, I, I do. I think I'm leaning Fritz. Obviously, Vegas as well. But what are the matches that have burned us? Schwartzman, who was in the minus 200 to minus 300 range. Murray almost burned us. He was in that same vomit zone. You know, Jack Sock, same vomit zone in match number one. And those are there's a reason they're in that range. It's because they could go four or five grimy sets. And I know we're hitting an over here. And in theory, that would help. But I just want no part of these matches. Yeah, so so I want to I want to talk about Sock and Stevie. So real quick, let me just set the tone because again we've talked about these matches that are close. There are a couple of underdogs that are very 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 tempting, or guys who are in that minus one fifty or less range that are very very tempting. Three matches here we circled: Jerosimov over or, and Thompson, Barankis and Johnson, Jack Sock and Manoreno. Jerosimov, Barankis, Sock, the underdogs right now on DraftKings. Which of those appeal to you? most maxi so i'm gonna start with sock because that was the first one that i looked at and and he is i think the lowest underdog of those am i wrong he's at plus yeah, 160. 160 yep yeah so so look i mean he had a, a tight first round match but i just don't see how Manorino hurts him that much i think that with these fast courts with his serve and his forehand you know, with a lefty, um, I also, I looked into their record. I think that, um, Sock is four and one. Uh, did I, did I look at that right? Yeah. So Sock is four and one over Manorino head to head. Uh, Sock also has a pretty good lefty record. He's 28 and 14, uh, against lefties. You know, Manorino goes cross court, uh, Sock rips that forehand. He maybe chips and charges. He comes to the net a bunch. I, I think it's just a good matchup for Sock, um, and he's probably he's got to feel good at getting that first dub under his belt in the first round. He's got a little confidence going. Plus one sixty feels like pretty good value on Sock, so I, I like him there. Yeah, look again. I I don't hate it. The problem is five sets for Jack Sock in his last match, and you know the last time these two played, twenty sixteen. That was before Jack Sock won in Paris. So. Honestly, they're both different players since then. I can almost throw that out the but window. But wasn't it you that was saying that you heard that um, coaches Sock, were saying that Sock is looking as fit as he's No, I, I do agree, but I'm just saying mentally the bounce back from a five-set win is almost tougher than physically because even for Sock, if he's there, just mentally it's like, you know what? I won that first match. That was a great win. I'm back on the right track. I played a seed. I played him tough. I lost in four sets. I won a tiebreaker set. I played two bad service games and lost a first set break and I lost this match 7-6-6-7-6-3-6-4. Like, I could just see that recipe happening too easily, and that's why I have this in the stay-away category because I agree with you. Jack Sox got the advantage in almost every match he played, but in this one in particular, in just weaponry, in the things he can do to make your life miserable on the court. But Manorino, as the lefty, going to just go into that ad side corner, go after that backhand. Whoever can keep the other player more honest, sticking on that deuce side, hitting forehands or backhands respectively, I think uh, that player is going to have more success in this match. But 
it's a toss-up. Again, the odds in this one really good. Now, you could talk me. I don't know what the over-under is in this one, but I, I see a very hard time unless Jack Sock tanks, which I guess is still in the realm of possibility given he's not that far removed from those days. Um, but, you know, the over-under on this one, I'm 39. curious. So same deal. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's a stay away for me, but I do like Jack Sock. Gerasimov and, and you know, I said Barankus. I liked him as an underdog. You said you were leaning Steve Johnson. Make the case. I mean, look, I think with Stevie, he gets hurt when he doesn't have the capability to be aggressive. And I think with Barankus, that dude does not have enough firepower to really push Stevie around. Um, Stevie's got Peter Smith with him. He's got to feel good after that Isner five-setter. And Isner five-setter is not a normal five-setter. That's a big serving five-setter that probably, I don't, even, I don't know how long it took, but it might have even been under three hours. Um, so I, I don't think that the, the physical or the mental aspect from the previous five-setters got got has to be getting him down. It just feels like a, a match that suits Stevie. He's going to be able to slice his backhand when he needs to get around the forehand be able to hit big Brankus isn't going to do anything to hurt him too bad the only thing I'm concerned about is Brankus did look pretty good against Djokovic in Cincy that's my only reservation with this match in general but I just think it's again this is another good matchup and those odds for Stevie even though he is the favorite are are pretty pretty solid you've got him at minus 128 uh you know 128 to win 100 feels pretty good to me yeah, see, the flip side is I just think for Stevie, he's at his best when he has to be decisive in a match. And against John Isner, you have to be decisive. You have to play to big targets. You have to make quick decisions. You have to attack on the first ball. You see, you just the choices are so obvious for you when you're playing a John Isner. When you're playing a Ricardo Barrancas, they're not. You got to get creative. You have to improvise. You have to just do all of these different little things. And, you know, Stevie, obviously a great thinker, a great competitor. He's going to fight and scrap and claw his way for every point. And, you know, Barrancas. Is beautiful ball striker takes balls early and you know is going to move you around the court and really good off of both wings and you're right Stevie's going to have plenty of looks in this match but it's a toss up to me I just I'm I'm so afraid of it like because the uh, to your point Barankus is playing well so like could he win this match absolutely I mean that's the case in so many of these matches and that's why they're stayaways for me yeah I mean I, I hear you and I guess just the last you know, tight one, the, the Gerasimov and, and Jordan Thompson. I mean, that this is one where it's almost just such a toss up that if you're willing to throw a little money at the underdog to get the, the odds there, it's worth it. But again, that, that one is the least I'm the least comfortable with. See, this is the one to me that I'm the most comfortable with because Gerasimov just, this is the one where objectively he, I look at it and I'm like, he's playing the best of, he's, any- he is playing really, really well. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and it was hot at the beginning of 2020 as well, right? He made a final, I believe. Uh, yeah, you know what? I don't even know why I said that. Like, he he has looked really good. I guess yeah. I guess the thing for me is I just don't 
It's faith in Jordan Thompson. About, that's maybe, the thing. I don't know yeah, how I feel Yeah, but it may be Thompson. unnecessary faith because, like, the Jordan Thompson we're thinking of who beat Jack Sock, was it, right, all those years ago at the U.S. Open in five sets, and obviously physically he's going to scrap in every match, but just objectively for Jordan Thompson, you look at his results, you know, beat Michael Moe in straights but lost to Caruso in qualifying of uh, the Western and Southern, lost to Kasmenovic in Delray. At the New York Open, he beat Isner in three, beat Karlovic, but lost to Seppi. In Australia, he went there, beat Bublik. That's a good win. He lost to Fodnini. Okay, now I'm starting to talk myself out of this. Lost to Ramos Vinoles in Adelaide. He's been okay. I just think, uh, you know, lost to Kasmanovic again in Qatar. But I just think when you look at Jerusimov, he's playing really, really well. And, I mean, you look at his trajectory as a player, Jerusimov, 27 years old, you know, really hasn't had that much success at slams. But now it's his time. And so... I just, I test, he's passed the test. Thompson survived that first match, but he didn't play particularly outstanding. Again, of the three, I just like this one the most because I fear Manorino and I fear or, uh, Steve Johnson or Barankas really in that match as opponents more that's than fair. I fear Jordan Thompson. No, that's fair. I mean, look, I, I think there's a, a very good chance that I take Gerasimov, Sock, and Stevie tomorrow. Can I and give you one more dog? To throw in there? Sure. Okay, one more underdog to throw in there, and it's a name you're not going to be very familiar with if you're a casual fan of tennis, but a name I promise you you're going to get to know over these next 10 years. Uh, Marta uh, Kostyuk, Maxi. She is an 18-year-old former junior Australian Open champion. She became the youngest player since Martina Hingis when she reached the third round of the Australian Open in 2018 to not to win a, a match in Australia. She became the youngest player since 97 to reach a third round in Australia. She's been limited a lot by match restrictions. Simply put, when you're under 18, you can't play that frequently. And she's just a name who, again, she's won matches at a slam before. Straight set dominant performance in her first round match. She takes takes on Sevastova, and yeah, Sevastova just beat Goff, but coming into this U.S. Open, Maxi, Sevastova was 0-7 in her seven matches in 2020, and again, it, this is where, do you throw out what happened before the break? You probably can, and she's probably a little bit more confident now after a win over Goff, but I love Kostyuk. I just, I'm a big fan of her game. I, I think she can do a lot to Sevastova on these courts, plus 110 for Kostyuk, I mean, that, that's an ace of the day for me. Lock that in. I mean, look, you know how I feel about the, the young guns and the rising stars. I'm, I'm all in on them. Um, I really thought Sinner, I mean, Sinner should have had the win today uh, over Kachanov. So, um, Counterpoint, yeah, I mean, our Cracked Rackets fans are happy he did not because we picked Hatchinov here. I mean, <laughs> yes, we did, but I, you know how I feel about Sinner. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I might not. I might not be opposed to that bet. That's the one that we'll have to talk afterwards. Because, again, I uh, to your point, and I want you to elaborate on this a little bit if you don't mind. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. The hardest thing to do, especially when you're down, and this isn't going to be news to anyone, is walk away. to say, Or just on a day when you're not certain if you're feeling it. Uh, to walk away because you don't know the action. That's how you get yourself in trouble. That's why the book always wins. Talk about that decision, walking away. How important is it to have that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very important, right? Like, you, you don't want to force yourself into bets that you don't feel right about, that, you know, that just seem like they're, they're kind of far-fetched. Um, I think, you know, and this is part of the reason that for, for this episode, I don't personally have an ace of the day. 
I have matches where given I am up on today and have a little bit of free cash to work with, I might <laughs> place cash. I might have I might place some really small bets tomorrow just to toy with some of the underdogs. Um, just to dab nothing... a little bit. A little sock yeah. Johnson parlay. Mm. Oh, wow. That'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, so tomorrow I think is going to be one where I either just I fully stay away or I play some small ones where I'm not going to be too upset if they miss because um, it, it's a really tough day tomorrow. I would say, just so you know, all of these aces of the day, they're not going to be more than two units. I said 20 bucks on Kotzjuk to win 22. Again, that's that's within the margins. We were I mean, I was also looking at maybe CC tomorrow, yeah, 163 but Brady's over Jennifer been Brady. Balling, but Brady's been know. balling is the problem. So, all right, with that in mind, again, there are a lot of favorites out on the board. The odds just too high. Even the lowest ones, Zverev now up to minus 530 against Nakashima. Shapovalov minus 420 over Kwan. Struff minus 500 over Mo Hercots minus 400 over Davidovich Fokina you know Annette Conteve minus 490 uh Yastremska minus 560 Kvitova minus 715 all of those you know you're not going to get much return on value so I have two parlays for you Maxi uh as we get and then we'll lock in our aces of the day Jessica Pagula don't need to tell you how on fire she has been. Quarterfinalist at the Western and Southern, probably the best female uh, player in the world team tennis season. Minus 315 over Kristen Flipkins, who obviously has had an incredible career, but is on, you know, the, I don't want to say the decline, but she's on the far side of her career. Pregula playing her best tennis right now. And then Allie Risk, who fast courts, you like her on any fast court. She's minus 275 over young American Ann Lee. Now, Ann Lee, Junior Wimbledon finalist. She likes herself a quick court as well, but I just risk was a straight set winner and minus 275. It's in the vomit zone, but that just feels too low, too high to bet individually. But Pagula risk minus 125 together, 20 yields you 1617 in return. Your thoughts, Maxi? Yeah, no, that that sounds that sounds pretty solid to me. Yeah, I would, locked, I would take that for sure. Ace of the day. Yep, ace of the day. I'll take All right, that one. We have two locked in then, Kostjuk and Pagula Risk. Well, then my last one, it's always going to get funky. Five-person parlay for you, Maxi. Tell me who screws it up. Gofen, Zverev, Shapovalov, Hercots, Kontave. I can give you opponents if you need be. I'm looking at them. Um... Zverev mm. Nakashima is one that's going to be a highlight. The lowest odds are Hercots Davidovich Fokina. Worth remembering, Davidovich Fokina five set win over Denis Novak in round one. He's a scrapper. He's, he, you know, I mentioned this before. The right kind of spazzy player. The feet are always moving. The mouth is always moving. He's frenetic. Uh, he's going to try and spring some balls, but he's not the biggest guy, so they're not the natural pop. I just think there's too much Hercots in that match. I think those are the two that stick out. You know, Quan is really solid, but I think. I think Quan does a lot of similar things that Sebastian Corda did. We saw Shapovalov get there, and you know my affection Shapo for Conteve. Yeah. So again, this five-person parlay, Gofan, Zverev, Shapovalov, Hercats, Conteve, plus 157, two units, gets you 31-36 in return. Who screws it up, and yes or no? I mean, I'm definitely not doing it. You know how I feel about parlays <laughs> at this point in my life. Um... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> pretty confident in GoFen. I'm pretty confident in Hercotch. I don't know. I'm, honestly, they all sound pretty solid. Um, That's how they get so, you. That's how like they get you. Five for what was it? One plus one fifty-seven. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm, 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 I'm out in that one. Yeah, it's close. I don't but mind the individual calls necessarily, but so easy for one of those to go wrong. Yeah. I mean, look, I, case in point, Sam Query versus Kuznetsov. I mean, part of me just wants yeah. to throw uh, ten bucks on Nakashima because <laughs> love the guy and Zverev is just all over the place. So I don't know, but now I'm out. All right, you're out on that one. I like to always give a little bit of a taste. Of course, that's how I get myself in trouble. But let's lock those in. Those are my three aces of the day. Kostyuk, plus 110 over Sevastova. Two units gets you 22 in return. Pagula Risk, parlayed at minus 125. 20 yields you 16, 17 in return. And then a five-person parlay. Gofen, Zverev, Shapo, Hercots, Kontave, plus 157 odds. 20 yields you 31.36 in return, Maxi, of those aces of the day because I know, again, you are no ace of the day, and I don't think that's a bad call, and I wouldn't blame anyone for taking that route today, but of those three, which do you like best? I think I like the the dual mm-hmm. parlay, the the two the two women. I, I just peculiar think risk. A, yeah, peculiar risk feels just solid. It feels like a yeah. really solid two choices. All right, not a risk, you would say? Oh, West off. Can I get a button? <laughs> it was yeah. too easy. It was too easy to pass it up. Was. But yeah, okay. Then those are our aces of the day. Katsyuk, a risk Pegula parlay, and then Hercot, Chapo, Gofen, Zverev, Kontave. Again, to get in on all the action, just go to dkng.co slash uh, cracked open you can take advantage of their limited time offer play along with us again so far so good the only match we really screwed up so far is diego schwartzman and then i guess sort of sam query but that was a five dollar ridiculous parlay the fact that nine out of ten hit is sort of hilarious on its own but of course if you have missed any of the action you need to catch up on anything we have done be sure to go to our website crackrackets.com mini breaks every morning with jamie mcdonald and a cast of others we have lined up for these next two weeks so be on the lookout for those maxi will get you on a mini break as well up uh, i'm sure this weekend when you have a little bit more time and then of course subscribe to this podcast the mini break podcast cracked interviews and inside out podcast be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel you can see these picks condensed on video uh, and of course if you need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube you can follow us at cracked rackets follow me at great shot pod really do appreciate all of you who now take the time to dm Maxi can attest I always send him the good DMs that I enjoy so please keep doing that as well we really do appreciate that um, but with that oh uh, we also of course again appreciate our friends at DraftKings dkng.co slash cracked open to play along with that in mind though Maxi any final thoughts be smart out there uh, <laughs> tomorrow's the day to be smart um, yeah. you'll get your chances pick them when they're right and uh, let's keep the ball rolling. Yeah, hey, we said, by the way, at the outset of this week, day two was a day we both liked. Turns out it was a good thing for us to like. We are now saying together, and this is a unified opinion, we do not love day three. That would be our final word as well. If you have a day to, you know, instead of placing a bet, go take the kids to get some ice cream or just go get some ice cream yourself. In fact, that's what I'm going to be doing now that this podcast is finished. Today might be a day to do that. But with that in mind, for my incredible co-host, Maxwell LeBauer-Rothman, our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Maxie, what do we say? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. May the odds be ever in your favor.